What's up, Doc uh, Lowe's? How's it going? It's me, the king of the dock. I'm more like uh, Prince, the prince of the dock. Werner Herzog would be the king. And, well, you, maybe, um, maybe Errol Morris would be after him. Maybe they're about the same. Now that I think about it on a, on a, a dock royalty list, I'm pretty far down, but 50 people would die, have to die for me to be the dock king. More than that. God, Morgan Spurlock's probably even ahead of me in Doc Royalty. Welcome to the Documenteers. This is, I am your host, Bob Sham. With me today on this episode is Angela. We do something that I'm surprised it took us this long to do. We did an episode on a movie that is in the theaters. I don't know if it's in the theaters right now as of this recording, but it was when we did this episode. We're talking about the film, Won't You Be My Neighbor?, by the director of 20 Feet from Stardom, Morgan Neville. And he's really going for it. Everyone's buzzing about this one. So if you're at all curious about it, then maybe you can find this at your local independent cinema if you have one, or one of those theaters that is a little more apt than the others to play uh, low-budget movies. We saw this at the Belcourt, which we get into on the show. Belcourt is our local independent theater. And yes, we went to the movies to watch this. This wasn't a sitting on the couch taking notes. And we hope to, to do this a lot more. We're very excited about it. There's apparently a documentary coming up about three dudes that were that look identical and were identical twins, but with something weird's going on. It looks wild. We want to check it out. And sorry, I don't have the title of that on on end. Yeah, really pushing it here. <laughs> documentary. Oh, uh, quick Bobby's Boners. <laughs> Angela made this correction to me personally. I did a, It's a correction of a correction. I confused that song from that was in the Shy Boys episode. Thought it was an Inya song. And then I said it was an Ademus song. But Angela corrected me and said the song and band are called Adiamus. Apparently she sang that song at this... Nashville and Harmony LGBTQ choir and I know I went to that show and I I've, I've heard that song and because they're that's what they're saying in the song I don't dismiss any genre of music I think there's something great something great somewhere in every genre but that but that the 90s new age stuff that's um not not my forte, far from it. Anyway, follow us on places like Twitter. We got a Facebook page and Instagram, which is which will give you some insights into what's coming around the corner. If you hear the show and you enjoy the show and we enjoy you when you enjoy us, show us a little love. Cost you no money. All you gotta do is go on to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. They really want us to say Apple Podcasts. And what you do is you give us five stars and you leave a brief review, a little review. It could say anything, really. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. I don't think they'll let you post really erotic shit or uh, or things that are full of the F-bomb. I think they get a little uptight about that stuff. So that's why I can't name a podcast Fuckhole Fun Fuck. They're just not down. But yeah, give us five stars and a review. And uh, if you have not done that yet, we'd really appreciate it. And that's a great way to help us 
It helps the internet get the word out. We're going with algorithms here that we didn't create, but we're kind of we're kind of stuck having to use them. But but that's fine so long as you get out there, you leave us a review and give us five stars. Do that on iTunes. And you can do it anywhere. A lot of podcasts are run through iTunes, so that'd be a big help. But man, this is taking a long time. Let's go to this movie, one that's been getting a lot of buzz that people are really liking. So if you're interested, go see it. Because obviously this is a spoilery show. But on to the film, Won't You Be My Neighbor by Morgan Neville. Keep on docking, neighbor. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. of this beautiful day since we're together we might as well say would you be mine could you be mine won't you be my neighbor won't you please won't you please please won't you be my neighbor Caffeine pills. You were addicted to caffeine pills, you junkie. I had a, <laughs> I had a <laughs> caffeine pill experience in college where I went on like a week of not sleeping and hallucinating. And I took an entire test that when I got it back was literally just scribbles. First, you started snorting Flintstone vitamins and then you moved <laughs> on to caffeine pills. I think it actually started with whatever that pseudephedrine or something like whatever has ephedrine in it that when you don't need it you get like hyped up i stayed up all night doing laundry and then i couldn't sleep because i had to go to school and then came the caffeine pills the point is pills the coffee pills the point is you know what rock bottom looks like i'm making fun of you but one of my worst experiences was on any of the drugs i've tried was when I did take a lot of these upper caffeine pills. They will fuck it, with if, your sense of perception. It was not good. I was falling asleep sitting up, but then when I tried to sleep, I couldn't. Angela, how you doing? I'm doing good. Shit. Are you excited to talk about this movie that we're going to talk about? Yes, I'm so excited. I loved this movie. 
I loved this man. Calm down. It's too early. <laughs> I'm not crying yet. <laughs> no but, promises. No but, promises. But this episode, we did something a little different. Usually we're sitting on the couch and we're taking copious amounts of yeah. notes. Uh, where we get real educational with it. And then we get on the mics and make it dumb, dumb it way down, but make it <laughs> more presentable to hear. Sure, but we do take like six, eight pages worth of really scribbledy notes. And then we say things like like and apparently, I say apparently a lot. I like to say at this point, we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that, you know, that viral video of the little redheaded kid that says apparently. 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 Because apparently. I like that when he was talking about uh, apparently something to do with his grandpa and scratch offs. <laughs> apparently, grandpa just gives me a remote after he watched the Powerball. <laughs> it might be the folksiest shit I've ever seen. It was great. But I'm like a, the grown up apparently kid. Oh. Uh-huh. Apparently. Apparently. I say kinda too much. I It really mm-hmm. bothers me when I'm editing myself. I'll probably be saying it a lot. But we kind of. We have an we have an evolving a setup here. Did I say it? Yeah, immediately. We have an evolving setup here, so hopefully the studio looks more like we're on the radio. It feels more like the most like we've been on the radio this whole time right now. So hopefully that'll help us to up our game and really save my edit fingers. Yes. In the future, I would like to save your edit fingers so you can do housework. I thought you were going to say something pervy. <laughs> gonna and then i changed it to housework (laughs) (laughs) i mean listen there's a lot of tasks that go into having a happy marriage hey that's the housework too that's the housework too (laughs) (laughs) but no we went to the theater we went to our local independent theater and we saw a movie a movie that a lot of people are talking about this movie is at least in the documentary world is considered a hit Definitely. It's been out for weeks, and our theater was full when we saw it on a Monday night. Yeah. I think they're filling it up constantly still. I mean, there's only one place in town it's playing, and we live in Nashville, so it's a pretty big city. Come in and leave so quickly, especially like those independent films, and it is sitting for a while. It's Yeah, it's been it's stuck around longer than a lot of indie docs would. Hopefully, you're fortunate enough to live in a town, or fortunate enough to live fairly close to a town that has an independent theater. Yes. And we we like ours. Ours is the Bell Court. It was a very pleasant experience watching this movie with an audience. It was really nice. It was really nice being in the theater, allowing ourselves to be immersed in the story, because that is one thing when we're taking notes. Sometimes I'm not always looking at the screen. I try to stay really in it, but when you're doing multiple things at a time, it can be difficult. And this was just really cool to just sit back and take it in. Yeah, because we're not going to sit there and take notes in the dark. Fuck that. That's not what the theater experience is all about. So we're going to be a little looser here. We may leave a lot of things out or be very random and haphazard or out of order when we think of things. We'll also be coming at this from an emotional place. Yeah. And this movie strikes that. There's something about this movie... The message of it, I remember at one point it seemed almost old-fashioned, the message in this movie. And now it seems, what's the word I'm looking for? Relevant? Yeah, it's relevant to now. It's somehow counterculture, the message that's in this right now. Stop watching cable news networks. Definitely stop watching cable news networks, guys. There's a lot of talk about how things are polarized or split. A little too much talk about it. I feel like people are perpetuating as they go deeper in, but... Mr. Rogers, 
I think that's the first time we've said <laughs> yeah, his name. Yeah, you haven't said it until right now. He was adamant about providing emotional maturity to young people. Yeah. And hopefully that would lend itself to their future. And I ain't even close to being as patient or as good as Mr. Rogers. But I can't help but wonder if he did have an effect on me because when I was very young, because Mr. Rogers for very small children, I did have a ritual of getting up, eating my cereal or a Pop-Tart, and watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Should we say the name of the documentary? No, at this, let's... At this point, should let, we say the name of the documentary? Let's never say the name of the documentary. But no, it's... Uh, go ahead. <laughs> what is the documentary? It's Won't You Be My Neighbor. By Morgan Neville. Morgan Neville. Directed, Thank you, Morgan Neville. He directed 20 Feet from Stardom, which won the 2014 Best Documentary feature by the Academy. I need to see that one. That's a hole in my documentary viewing. I'd be shocked if uh, Morgan Neville doesn't get nominated again for this one. Yeah, spoiler alert for how we feel about this, but I would say he definitely should win all of the all of the Oscars for this <laughs> documentary. Just give him a, just give him a pile of Oscars. Give him best supporting female. Uh, actor is there all a there's a um there's like a pulitzer prize for a film right not that this would be that but i was just trying to think of like i really don't like i think the musical rent won a pulitzer prize so like there's got to be something for like documentary filmmaking that's like a big deal they should win all the awards is what i'm saying i Alex. knew morgan neville won the academy award but i didn't know that until i looked up his name i really don't keep track of awards of any type if I want to watch a circle jerk, it's not an award show that I'm going to watch. It's porn. <laughs> porn? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably. Well, would I watch a circle jerk? Uh, no, I, guess I that, wouldn't. That would classify as gay porn. Ladies can jerk it in a circle if they want to. That's called a daisy. No, yeah, the daisy chain is like when you're 69 in a circle. Well, it's hard to be exactly 69 in a daisy chain. It takes some work and some planning. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. I hope you all can't hear our kitty cat meowing, but we're going to just keep going. Won't You Be My Neighbor is the documentary that we went to see. And there is a part where they talk about how Mr. Rogers was, we can get into the whole history, but just speaking to kind of my experience of what Bobby just talked about, I was pretty much raised by Mr. Rogers as far as preschool goes. I didn't go outside of the house for preschool. I stayed with my nanny. Nanny as in my great aunt, who was my grandmother figure. Um, I called her nanny. And so I didn't have a nanny. I'm not like rich. So I stayed with her while she worked. And because she was working and I was in the other room, I would sit and watch TV all day. And I would watch Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street and Jelly Bean Junction and all of these shows. I basically just watched PBS all day long. And by the time everything came on again in the evening, because that's how it used to go, it'd be morning and, and afternoon, the shows would, the same episode would show twice in the same day. And by the time I saw it in the afternoon, I knew all the songs and I was like performing things for her because I loved it so much. And you know, I was obsessed. And uh, there were definite clips from Mr. Rogers shows that they had in this documentary that I specifically remember. Like when he talks about death, when the fish dies in the fish tank. And he explains that, like, the fish is no longer there, but that's okay because we loved the fish and the fish is gone and he buries the fish. And, like, that was really impactful on me when I was a kid. I had a lot of fish. I also, though, went to a lot of funerals. And though I was, like, a kid, for some reason, I just had a lot of older relatives dying. And I was a kid running around a funeral home, but people still didn't want to talk about death with a kid. 
but Mr. Rogers would. Because like you said, there's like an emotional maturity that he encouraged and wanted to cultivate in tiny people. A lot of people don't think that young children have such strong emotions and feelings and ideas and thoughts in their little heads, but they do. Yeah. Seemed like Mr. Rogers was probably picking up a lot of slack. I don't recall any conversations about death growing up. It just seemed like it just happened. And it was like, it's this, or maybe to be fair, they couldn't quite explain it that well. I think that's it. You don't know what to say and you don't know exactly what the kid's understanding. And you, you sometimes I think don't want to tell them more than they're ready to hear. But I think Mr. Rogers' whole thing is that they're ready for a lot more than you think they are. The first funeral I remember going to, I tried to wake up the body. Oh, Bobby. And uh, yeah, <laughs> little anecdote. <laughs> and I got yelled at pretty bad. You got yelled at? Yeah, because I'm trying to wake the dead. Hey, mister, get up. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> got a little morbid. Um, yeah, just a bit, but that's okay. But um, they went into a lot of stuff about Mr. Rogers that I had no idea. I knew that he was a minister. Well, let's dispel some of the myths out there. Okay. All right. He wasn't a, a sniper in Vietnam. No. And he didn't have the most kills in his unit. He actually didn't serve in the army at all. No, no. He only had two testicles, not five. What? That's not a thing. And his penis was not rope-like. I'm uh, listen, sure that's I've not true. I've already said this in like the warm-up section of this podcast. You're not allowed to talk about Mr. Rogers' penis at all, other than to say that, no, he's not gay. No, he's not. He has a lo- he had a lovely wife. He had two sons. Yeah, he had two kids, so he's can't, he's come twice. Well, I that can't. Doesn't, okay, and that, like having a wife and having kids does not mean you're not gay, but he actually addressed that on an interview at one point because someone straight out asked him is this really you like are you straight and he didn't just mean straight as in sexually I think he meant like are you legit like are you really who you say you are but also are you really heterosexual like he kind of just laid it out I can't remember who that interviewer was but yeah this is how I am this is who I am what other myths do you want to dispel is that good um let's see um, he was born with wings and they had to be surgically removed. Not true. Um, he's bald. Not true. Helped invent hip hop in uh, the Bronx. <laughs> oh, come on. That's not true. Okay, enough Enough with dispelling of myths. Let's talk about how he got started. Back in the origins of TV, the way, way back. He had never seen TV. TV was super brand new. And he was graduated out of high school, ready to go to seminary, and... Here's television. And he jumps in to have a show that's not about clowny pie in the face is like the Bozo show, which is kind of funny. Mr. Rogers thought a pie in the face was maybe a little too much. Well, he just didn't understand why we were using a tool like television as such a bait for like such base entertainment. Why weren't we using it as education? So he literally put his seminary school on hold for a bit. He did eventually go back. He never actually, though, served as a preacher or a minister in any church because he always went back to working with children and working on these shows. But that first show that he had wasn't anything like what Mr. Rogers ended up being. You can kind of see the the outline of it. Though. It was there. And it was our first introduction to Daniel Tiger. Uh, when they're shooting in the, this is in the 50s, the set rips or something or something goes wrong. He actually ripped a hole in the set because something went wrong. They were live and something had gone wrong with the scene I don't know it was falling apart live and he ripped a hole in like this awful muslin backdrop and stuck Daniel Tiger out there and started talking to the lady yeah 
Daniel Tiger, one of the earliest voices. And I don't think he ever, it didn't really look like he changed puppets. Maybe he just hemmed it, but it looked like Daniel Tiger's color was getting darker over the years. Yeah, he looked a little tattered in some of the scenes through the years for sure. But after he worked on the show for a bit, he did go back to school. And then he went into this program. Will you talk about the early childhood and the, with development? The, yeah, with at the University of Pittsburgh, because this is where Mr. Rogers' neighborhood took place. In Pittsburgh, that's where it was filmed and shot. He worked with this study on young childhood development and was learning techniques to be able to, you know, educate children in a positive manner and not just educate them, but to understand methods to get to engage them without necessarily being overtly disciplined. Mr. Rogers was the most patient person on the planet. And one of his crew members, old crew members, will talk about how some of these kids were just bastards, but Mr. Rogers, to him, they were all the same. Yeah, and there'd be huge groups of them. Like, there was this one point where they'd been doing the show for a while. Like, he'd done this early education program. He started filming the show. This local woman at the network was like, this is a really big deal. Like, we should have a Mr. Rogers Day and have the kids come down and visit. And the network was like, whatever, no one's going to show up. No one's watching this little dinky show. And it was like kids around the block. And he would take time with each and every one of them. There were these scenes of him in a room with like 20, 50 children. And literally there was this one little girl. It was the sweetest thing. She walked right up to him and said, Mr. Rogers, I want to tell you something. And he just said, what would you like to tell me? And she just looked at him and just said, I like you. He would be in front of crowds of kids, like small crowds of kids. And they're each going in and out. They're not standing in line. They're all just kind of talking at him. Yeah, but he was appreciative. Like, to that little girl, he actually was like, thank you for telling me that. Like, he gave each of them their moment. Like, they were as special as they were. You know, they really were. So that is the beginning of what we would come to know as Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which would be put on public television, which was started by Lyndon Baines Johnson. And in the first week, what is the subject that they have to deal with? In the first week of the show... They were dealing with war. And he very much approached it with these kids. You may have heard about this. What does this mean? People are scared. This is, you may be uncertain about things and that's okay. Very early on, trying to address fears. I don't even know if the cat can come through. I don't know if you guys are hearing this cat meowing, but. Oh, she liked the part where they talked about the cat that says meow, meow, meow. That was in the first week they're talking about war. Yeah. We talked about these puppets. They're just like little hand puppets. These are not super detailed. What kind of puppet characters are on this show? So there's Daniel Tiger. I love you too. There's, what's the king's name? King? King Friday the 13th. We still have not decided, Mr. O'Day. Is it the 13th? I think so. I know it's King Friday. And there's the queen. We hope to have word for you any minute. Yes. And their baby, their son. He's a baby for a little while. Has the Prince Tuesday done poo-poo in his diaper? I remember when he was seeing episodes of him as a baby, and then he grew up a little bit. You're not going because I was bad one time, are you? There's Lady Elaine. Uh, She's the witchy one, right? Yeah, there's this part where they talk about, I believe it was one of his sons who was talking about who these puppets were based on, and how Daniel Tiger is Mr. Rogers' 
sort of child self. The king is sort of his... His structural self, how he's... Because he's a showrunner, basically. He's, yeah, he's, he's doing everything for the show. So he kind of has to assert some level of or, order to make this show follow through on his vision. And then the queen is obviously his wife. Lady Elaine is... He never admitted... But based on his sister-in-law, Elaine, and then it cuts to Elaine and she just starts laughing and she's like, she started out as sort of a witch and she's just cackling like she thinks it's funny that he named this character after her. And there was Henrietta Pussycat. Oh, yeah. Which started the trend of people saying meow in the place of words. Meow, meow, house, meow, meow, old oak tree. It was really adorable at first, but now it's gone on too long and people need to stop it. Well, I have a, I have a comment on that because it's sort of like there was that bit in the, in the documentary where Fox News, again, stop with the 24-hour news cycles. Someone like that is talking about how Mr. Rogers made our current generation too soft and everybody thinks they're so special. Listen, Mr. Rogers has been on since the 60s. People weren't using meows for words in the 60s. The 50s in some forms. Yeah, exactly. Like it's been around forever. And why all of a sudden is this new generation? It's like so affected by Mr. Rogers that we all think we're special. And I think it's even younger than us that would be considered this, but like the super special generation. Well, the Fox News, they they whine about people whining. The ironic thing is that they're whining. So yeah, and the meow meow thing, meow 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 thing, that is a thing. But I feel like that's also a more recent thing. So I'm I'm not going to completely blame Mr. Rogers on that. Mr. Rogers is teaching very small children emotional maturity. Mr. Rogers doesn't really go that deep into childhood. By the time you're seven or eight, you're kind of moving on from Mr. Rogers a little bit. Yeah, and Mr. Rogers. His message was never, you're better than anyone else, or you're more special than anyone else, or you don't have to do anything because you're so special. It was always, you are special, you are unique, and so is everyone. And we all are, you know, and, and it's not like you're special, so you're entitled. It was like, you deserve to be happy and you deserve to feel your feelings and you're as valid as anyone else. And he's also teaching kids how to deal with fucked up things that will happen in everyday life. Yes. And I, that, that, the worst thing about politics is how it oversimplifies everything. Mm-hmm. Everyone is just so easily baited. We live in an age where all you got to do is just think of something and you're two clicks away from finding the worst example of that thing yeah. that you come up with. And people need to grow the fuck up and turn their shit off and stop staring at their damn phone and be like Mr. Rogers wanted us to be as patient. Because Mr. Rogers, one of my favorite quotes in, in this movie, is when Mr. Rogers says, silence is one of our greatest gifts. Yeah. And, that, and that's wild because Mr. Rogers, how, how would that intro come in? He'd come in. He'd see him smile through the window before he walked into his own house. <laughs> yeah. He was never carrying anything. I guess maybe he was just taking a stroll down the street. I think once he brought in groceries, because I think it was an episode about food. Oh, yeah, maybe. I have a memory of him with grocery bags. Sure, I'm sure. Over <laughs> 1,700 episodes, I'm sure he carried something. <laughs> he occasionally brought us special things. Yeah, some special things. And then he would just come in, change his cardigan. Or change he had he maybe change have into. A, change out of maybe a jacket to a cardigan. I think so. That sounds right. And then he'd come <laughs> and he'd sit in the chair and he would untie his shoes. Wouldn't he put on different shoes or slippers? Yeah, he put on like he put on like home shoes. So like if you think about taking off your work shoes and putting on like kids, it would just show him 
going through this process. It's not editing over him tying his shoes. You take the time to watch him tie his shoes. And he made every pointed effort to explain and show exactly what these mundane things were and why he was doing them and showing you how to do them. I think it's during the Nixon administration when PBS is funding a very young PBS their funding was suddenly coming under fire. They were going to have $20 million cut from their budget, which would have killed them. And Mr. Rogers had to go sit before the committee after the committee had listened to a lot of people reading letters. <laughs> and I'm just going to play this. Well, I'm grateful for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs, which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that the children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. I work with children doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right, what do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 any time. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady and a boy can be someday a man. So he gets done, and the guy says... I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. <clears throat> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. Because <laughs> <laughs> how do you argue with that? It's legitimately inspiring. And inspiration is not something I'm often into. We have a lot of forced inspiration. But I think that's what's really good about this movie is that it just naturally fits to feel inspired with this Yeah, movie. it's not forced. I also felt weirdly inspired during Iron Maiden Flight 666, <laughs> which is a 10 out of 10 Herzog movie. Yeah. Will this one be one? We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it's just is naturally inspiring in everything that he does and everything that he represents. There are also uh, actors on this show, too. Yeah. We've got, we mentioned Lady Aberlene. That's played by Betty Aberlin. Uh, David Newell plays Mr. McFeely, the, the mailman. Yeah. Joe Negri uh, plays Handyman Negri. And uh, Francois Clemens plays Officer Clemens. And you see a lot of Francois in this movie. Yeah, I really love him. I remember him. I remember all of them. He was very prominent on the show. He was really cool. They they talk about how, you know, Mr. Rogers deals with all these issues of like war and like scary things that are happening. But obviously, he's also teaching us how to tie our shoes and going to like factories and how do they make shoelaces and, you know, different things like that for education. But then this show was on in the 50s and the 60s. And he had Officer Clemens on there. And Francois talks about how it was such a big deal to him because 
in his life, cops were not necessarily to be trusted. But here he is, a black man playing a police officer on this show for children. And at the time, like, that's an amazing statement to make. Like, I'm not only going to make sure there's a black person on my show, but I'm going to put them in an authority figure and they are a safe person who you can trust. And you get some of uh, Mr. Rogers' ministry background when he washes Francois's feet yeah. in a baby pool. Gosh, I think this is in the late 60s. Apparently some stuff was going on in the news around the time as well where people were fighting segregated. They wanted to keep pools segregated and things like that. Like they didn't want black people and white people getting in swimming pools together. And so Mr. Rogers was like, well, I only have a tiny swimming pool. Yeah. We're going to get in it. <laughs> <laughs> Big variety of kids of cultures and races yeah. and physical conditions. I, I admit, I cried a lot during this movie. And this next scene, I weeped <laughs> pretty openly. Yeah, and there was the, not a dry eye in the house. But there was this little boy, he's in a motorized wheelchair. He has a, I'm forgetting what the condition is. He had a nerve condition. He had a tumor when he was a baby. And I believe that it was recurring. It just made it so that his nerves did not work. Like he didn't have feeling in his arms and his legs and he couldn't control them. And Mr. Rogers sings a song called, I think something like, It's you, I like It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. And the young boy in the chair starts singing. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your fancy chair. (laughs) That's just beside you. But it's you, I like every part of you. And the uh, waterworks start pouring in the theater. It's you. It's you. back to officer clemens he was a very prominent figure on the show and he did represent a black man in power and he and for a lot of reasons mr rogers actually had a very multiracial audience but francois francois is gay but he was not open with that in the 60s in the 60s yeah he kind of kept it to himself you know he in an interview talked about you know it's hard enough to be a gay man, it's hard to be a black man. It's really hard to be a gay black man. That's still an issue now. You know, that's still hard in certain circles and families. But he went to a club downtown and someone saw him and word got back to Mr. Rogers that Francois was at a gay club. And apparently Mr. Rogers approached him and asked him if he was there. And he was like, yes, I was. And he basically said to Francois that he couldn't do that. I don't know that he said, don't be gay, but he basically said, you know, we're at a place right now where we can't afford to lose. Obviously, this is Francois telling the story. I don't know what Mr. Rogers actually said to him. I don't know how he really felt about him at that moment or what was happening at that moment. But he basically said, for the good of the show, you can't be gay. And Francois, he really didn't need, he understood the weight that he was carrying. Sure. And on top of him being gay, he knew he was gay, but it was maybe more dangerous time to be so open in a lot of places. Yeah. Especially in parts of town 
there's a lot of parts of town where you could not be that open. Francois definitely instinctively understood the nature of him being a black man on television, playing a positive role model in a position of power that he traditionally distrusts. And he knows the perceptions of people, what that would be if they found out that he was gay. Right. And he tried really hard to not appear gay. He actually got married to a woman. And there's an episode of Mr. Rogers. They showed a couple clips where Mr. Rogers goes to meet Mrs. Clemens. And obviously that marriage did not last, but he was married to a woman for a couple of years. He tells a story about years after that, where Mr. Rogers is singing the end song, you know, and, and he says, you know, he talks his little affirmation sort of that he did at the end of every episode, talking about how you're perfect just the way you are and you're special and I love you for who you are. And I guess he was looking directly at Francois when he said this. And after they concluded, Francois went up to him and he said, are you talking to me? And Mr. Rogers was like, I've been talking to you for years. You just weren't hearing me. And Francois said he burst into tears and Mr. Rogers hugged him. And from that day on, Mr. Rogers was a father to him. He completely accepted him 100%. Um, and that was the kind of relationship that Francois had never had in his life before. So that was enormously huge. And Francois is, he's now making up for his closeted years by looking and dressing fabulous. He is so fuck. fabulous. <laughs> he's fucking fab now. And ain't can't no one stop him. <laughs> he's just living his truth. He is true as hell out there in the world. I did love they actually reprise the foot washing scene years later and they showed when they're both much older and Francois is a little tubby at this moment, right? He's skinny <laughs> now, but in this clip, he was a little, little bit of a chubby police officer man, but he was still wearing his turquoise rings. <laughs> I did notice that, but Mr. Rogers washed his feet again in the later years of the show. And we do hear a little bit from his kids. Uh, one kid said it wasn't <laughs> easy growing up with second Christ as your dad. <laughs> yeah. But they all, they seem very appreciative and uh, well, well together kids, you know, I'm sure they, I maybe would have liked to known a little more about the dynamic between him and his kids. Yeah. Because Mr. Rogers was very devoted to his study and his work. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, when you're a parent there all the time, it can't always be rosy. It's, it'd be interesting, but the kids didn't appear to have any bad thing to say about him. Yeah, they did say... I thought it was really funny. They were talking about like if they were at the dinner table and Mr. Rogers was going to say something that wasn't very, quote, Mr. Rogers like he would use Lady Elaine's voice. Slightly creepy, but yeah, a little creepy, but also like hilarious. <laughs> a lot of people ask Mr. Rogers, are you square? I think Mr. Rogers for a long time represented some kind of level of stiffness, maybe seemed outdated. But but now you watch it these days. And it resonates, like we said, it resonates a little bit. It's refreshing. Yeah. A bit to see someone so open and so willing to listen. Patience. Yeah. A lot of patience. And a lot of people going in and out of Mr. Rogers' life, he, he, those who knew him personally were always struck by Mr. Rogers, including people like Yo-Yo Ma, who said yeah. he was up in his face when he first met him. And then he realized that, Wait, he's behaving as a child would behave. Yo-Yo Ma uh, plays the, what, what's it, cello or some shit? I don't know. He's a very famous musician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he shows up on everything. Well, but he was, he, was, he was really good friends with Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers also was obsessed with the number 143. Yeah. Which was really cool. 
he apparently made sure he weighed 143 pounds throughout his adult life, which is wild. But you think about 143 is like a numerical meaning for I love you, because I, that's one letter, love, that's four letters, and you, you. <laughs> that's three letters. Yeah. 143. So that was a big recurring theme on his show. Yeah. 143. Over 1,700 episodes in the can, Mr. Rogers would eventually go off the air in 2001. But they would bring him back, especially after September 11th. They brought, PBS would bring Mr. Rogers back to help console and explain to kids what's going on. And there was something that Mr. Rogers said around this time that I like quite a bit. And he says, when you see bad things happening, look for the people who are helping. There are always people who are helping. Yeah. Not verbatim. And Mr. Rogers apparently also didn't like going to the doctor. And he had some stomach issues. The film doesn't go into extreme detail of what that issue is. But Mr. Rogers would pass away in 2003. Yeah. And um, gosh, I, uh, I miss him right now just I talking know. about him. He's someone that I maybe took for granted for most of my life. And now that with this movie coming out and it affecting people, and it affected me, I see now that Mr. Rogers is a big deal. And it's nice to know that there's like a Daniel Tiger cartoon. It's nice to know that that's going forward. Yeah, there was a really wonderful man who was one of the people they interviewed in this show who is sort of, I believe he's the head of the Mr. Rogers Foundation right now. The fact that he... It's weird to say you got a feeling from a person watching them on television, but I definitely got a feeling from him that he is doing everything in his power to carry on the truest tradition of what Mr. Rogers would have wanted. He says at one point, you know, there's, I think it's him that says it, there's this whole thing about like, what would Mr. Rogers do? Yeah. I love that. But he says, you know, Mr. Rogers would look at you and go, what, but what are you going to do? You know, yeah. it's that whole like empowering. It's like, yeah, I'll be your friend, but I'm, I'm not the boss. We're friends. Yeah. How do you feel? What do right. you want? What are you going to do today? Since I've watched this movie, I have asked, said that, what would Mr. Rogers do in yeah. my brain? Yeah. Because I'm the most impatient Southerner ever. <laughs> and uh, I've that's popped in my head a couple of times. So I think it kind of has helped me to chill out a little bit. Yeah. It's so hard when you do see something that inspires in a certain way and you think, I want to change the way I am about this and it's really easy to then if you get frustrated not you me too like you get frustrated about something and you think um I'm failing or this is not how Mr. Rogers would act and then you go back to acting however before but it sounds so cheesy to say this but I feel like this movie really has had like a huge impact on us mm -hmm. it's not something I'm gonna forget anytime soon and it's something that I definitely need to see again with a giant box of Kleenexes because <laughs> I could barely hold it together for most of this movie when the movie ended in the theater maybe one or two people got up but everyone waited for the end song to finish before yeah. everyone finally got up and Nick Fury wasn't going to show up at the end of the movie <laughs> no no way kids could watch this movie I think you see uh, like a camera guy's ass at some point. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, they do talk about like things they did backstage that were fun, like wrong size of shoes for Mr. Rogers and stuff. But this movie's really for adults to remind adults of these values that we may have forgotten and maybe 
a lot of us were better at when we were younger, you know? Yeah. Because Mr. Rogers was making sure kids were better. We might have forgotten a lot of this. This movie is like a reminder for grownups to be patient and calm the fuck down. Yeah. And that's the most important message of all. And who can't get behind that message, you know? Yeah. But Angela, we don't rate things in a star rating scale. Nope. We'll, we'll leave stars to the whiny Fox News pundits. We rate in the Mr. Rogers approved, <laughs> very friendly Herzog rating scale. Herzog rating scale. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. Then we will combine them. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. I give this movie five Herzogs. I give this movie five Herzogs. <laughs> you take my Herzogs, you take your Herzogs, you put them together. That's 10. Yeah. Out of 10 Herzogs, perfect documentary. Yes. Won't You Be My Neighbor by Morgan Neville. Perfect documentary. You might win another Academy Award, Morgan. I would even say it's like perfect with extra credit. 110 on a 100 scale. It's like you did your homework. You didn't have to write in calligraphy, but you did. A++. And it's very impressive. You like gave the teacher an apple when you turned in your essay. And all the other students hate you. Like, God, Morgan. <laughs> You're such a suck up. How do you rate good people? Stuart and I rated with them with Donny Osmond's, but I think we're going to officially change it to Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. We're going to rate good people in Mr. Rogers. Yeah, so obviously Mr. Rogers is a perfect 10. I give myself two Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I would give you more than two Mr. <laughs> Rogers. Well, that's very good of you. Okay. Let's, uh, let's exit the way Mr. Rogers would exit. Good feeling when you're able to find people who like to play the kinds of things you like to play. That's one thing that helps to make friends, playing together. It's, it's such, such a, a good, good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy today. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is near. And I'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. You always make each day such a special day. You know how. By just your being you. Thanks, Mr. Rogers. Only one person in the whole world like you. That's you yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I miss him. Goodbye, neighbor. <laughs> Goodbye, neighbor. I love you too. We still have not decided, Mr. O'Day. We hope to have word for you any minute. Yes. Because of Not going because I was bad one time, are you? Meow. Meow.